What's going on, guys? We are back with the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We have a nice little host of topics for you today, but with me as always, if I'm Ronaldo, he's the gold because I find him every time. It's Billy. I think I might cry. That was beautiful. It was fitting. I just, I thought I'd throw in something nice for you, you know, every now and then. Every now and then, not just a constant torrent of abuse. But like Lewis said, exactly. we have a whole... We have a whole host of topics for you. We'll start in the Premier League, where it's 700 not out for Cristiano Ronaldo. And then we'll look at the big game between Liverpool and Arsenal. And uh, how long do you think Jurgen Klopp still has left on Merseyside? And we'll have a look at the resurgence of Newcastle United and a certain Paraguayan forward before moving over to the Bundesliga, where there was a classic in Der Klassiker. Stuttgart have sacked their manager and... Another new manager, Shabby Alonso, is coming at Bayer Leverkusen. But all that and more after this. Well, shall we stay in your home country? We'll start with the Premier League. And we said it in the topics for today but liverpool and we mentioned them last week already but it just it just seems to be going from bad to worse at the minute at anfield is it the end of the road for jürgen klopp just gonna blatantly put it out there it's one of the it's a difficult one i don't know they haven't been helped by the injury list because let, let me just you know luis diaz is now out until after the world cup with a knee injury uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, for all his criticisms of his defensive ability, you know, he's still an important player for them. He's injured. Joel Matip, again, massively important for them, injured. Curtis Jones, injured. Andy Robertson, injured. Naby Keita, injured. Oxley chamberlain always seems to be injured. And uh, I'm not entirely sure what the point of bringing in Artur from Juve is, because he's now also injured as well. Yeah, it's not going great for them, is it? You know, it, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, they've conceded 12 goals after eight games, which for Liverpool, the last couple of seasons didn't seem possible. Oh, hell no. It was, it was almost a thing of, you know, let's see how little they'll concede and maybe they'll break another record. You know, it was all, it always seemed to be City or Liverpool who's going to break that record for uh, the least goals conceded. And, now you have to you also have to look at last season where Liverpool have now lost as many games in the first 10 mat or first 12 matches as they did in the whole of last season which is two look it's, it's not it's not it's not great let's let's not beat around the bush but if you sack Jurgen Klopp who do you get in who that, who at the moment you know Pochettino Zidane, okay, yeah, maybe, but Zidane had, I'm not saying he's a bad manager, but he had the best players in the best positions in their prime at Real Madrid. At the moment, Liverpool have Virgil van Dijk, who's playing like QPR era Rio Ferdinand. It's almost yeah. like he's running through treacle. Yeah, I was about to say, one club already has the injury list as you've just read them out. And Two, you know, it's just completely different scenarios. And I'm fully in agreement with, with you on that. Is It's just the fact of who you're going to get in. And 
I have another thing about, you know, firing Jürgen Klopp, because we said the last time that we discussed this, you know, give him the time that he needs because of what he's done for the club. And I, again, I'm going to stress that fact because what he's done for Liverpool is almost what he's done for Dortmund when he was at the club. You know, both clubs, he is, he's just done so much for the history of those clubs and gotten them back up from being, you know, mid-level clubs or, um, you know, mid-table Europa League clubs to being clubs that are challenging for titles and winning titles. And if you remember correctly, Dortmund 2014-15, they were 18th at the end of the first half of the season. And Klopp wasn't fired. Liverpool are far from being, you know, relegation material at this point. So no. give him the chance he needs. Like he, and he turned it around at, at Dortmund before. I mean, obviously he said, you know, yeah, this is my last season, but he still turned it around. So I don't see why he shouldn't be able to do so at Liverpool, especially when the players will be getting the time to get fit again with the World Cup. But you can look at it from two two different ways. What if it doesn't get better? Because this season, you know, they've they've lost a a United side that had just lost four 0 to Brentford the week before. Yeah, but we we had to look at that game as well. We said that was two different faces at the same side, and Eric Ten Hag has since turned the club around. I'd say. And, you know, he's making hard decisions that are turning out to bear fruit, you know, like benching Ronaldo and not even playing him during the Manchester Derby, things like that. So I would argue that, you know, that team, you can lose to that to that uh, United team because Ten Hag did turn them around. And you can lose to that Arsenal team. And, you know, just by the way, it wasn't the worst performance I've ever seen from Liverpool against Arsenal. I mean, they scored two pretty good goals. And they weren't, you know, on the back foot the whole match. But the thing was, you know, the two goals they conceded, especially the second one, Jesus Christ, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jordan Henderson both didn't have a clue as to what they were going to do to close, um, I think it was Martinelli down. You know, it's little lapses in judgment like that. And, you know, I want to get your opinion on this in a second, but, you know, the penalty can be given you cannot give it like i it is a 50 50 thing yeah look it's one of those it's one of, we've said it a few times now it's one of those ones where if if it gets given against your team you complain but if it gets given for your team you're happy with it yeah i'm sorry like i'm also leaning a little bit more towards klopp in this instance because as Klopp said, Gabriel Jesus gets the contact. You know, the contact's there. You can't argue. But he plants both feet on the ground and then flops. Yeah, but contact's contact. Yeah, but the contact, I'm sorry, one, the contact was not like, you know, full-blown kick to the heel where you can where you hear it around the stadium. It was minimal contact. And he gets and he does land with both feet on the floor. I think in that instance. It is a soft penalty to give. You can't argue because the context there, I know, but it is still soft. And I'd be, if, you know, I can understand why Liverpool fans would be like, you know, that's not a penalty. I, no, I, I get it. 
I do. But how often are penalties like a proper bone crunching tackle that you hear around the ground? Yeah, okay. We've, we've you, said, I've, I've said it to you before. Like, if you give anyone in the in an opposition box any form of contact, they're going to go down. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, you, I'm, you deserve I'm that. you deserve to give away the penalty for, because you've given them the option. I'd still say it's too soft of a penalty to give, but you know, I it's it's still the the thing that I'd say Arsenal deserve the the win more than Liverpool did. Oh yeah, massively. So it's not, you know, it's not like I'm saying it was a game on a knife's edge where, you know, a decision like that costs Liverpool the three points or not. No, I think on the balance of play, Arsenal definitely deserved it. And I just want to touch on Darwin Nunez because the celebration alone is a little bit embarrassing. A little bit, yeah. Like, mate, I covered the... Liverpool Rangers game in the Champions League. He could have had four or five goals in that game. He's got no composure at all. I know he's only young, but it goes back to the point I, I made when they signed him. He's had one season of senior football at Benfica. Should never have been signed for that amount of money. Yeah, and you know, destroying the Portuguese league, you know. All respect and credit to the Portuguese league, but you know, destroying teams in the Portuguese league versus doing it in the top five leagues. You know, maybe start excluding France out of that and start calling it the top four because you know, French league, Jesus Christ. But you know, it's still if if he'd gone to gone to the league, um, then maybe you could expect the same results. But you know, putting him after, as you said, only one season of senior football and then you know saying yeah he should be signed for a hundred million because he's destroyed the portuguese league like that's not the same thing it really isn't the same thing i think you know in liverpool they will come back this isn't uh they're no. not going to get relegated or anything they will come back but it's just a, a case of how often would you expect mo salah to be subbed yeah exactly you know These things like I, that Little things like that. He's having an absolute shocker by his terms. I was about to say, remember that one season where he, you know, won the golden boot, destroyed everything in his path, and people were like, oh, you know, he's messy level. He's messy level. Well, let us know how you think Liverpool are going to get on. Let us know whether you think they should sack Jurgen Klopp, and if they should, who should they bring in? But let's talk about a team that's uh, on a different trajectory. and. Uh, it's all rosy at Newcastle United. Yeah, and I mean, you have to just say the Saudi takeover, bearing fruit already. When was the last time Newcastle were sixth in the Premier League? Last few seasons, they've always been dicking around at, you know, mid-table at best. I think it was under Alan Pardew back when they had like Demba Bar, Papi Sisse, uh, Hatem Ben Arthur. Oh, absolute oh, Dem- Demba Bar's... Voodoo magic shot against Chelsea. Uh, no, that was Papi Cissé. The one where he oh, it was Papi Cissé. Hit oh. it with the outside of his right foot and it curled in and over Petr Cech. That was insane. Uh, even Petr Cech, which was, uh, I've never seen anything like that and I'm not going to save anything like that ever in my lifetime. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah, okay. They they beat, they beat Brentford 5-1. They fantastically, they draw 3-0 against Man City. You know, they were 3-1 up in that game. 
that's what I mean. There were three one. Uh, granted, they went uh, went down one nil, but to fight back three one up against Manchester City, and they managed to hold them to a three all draw and go up three one. That's insane. But, but you know, on the the opposite end of the spectrum, which is probably why Europa League is probably the best bet for Newcastle so far this season. It's a nil nil draw with Crystal Palace. Nil one all draw with. Uh, yeah, nil nil with Brighton, a one all with Bournemouth. I mean, they lost to Liverpool in the ninety eighth minute. I think and it's probably probably just you know game management stuff that I wouldn't. Yeah, but I mean, also Wolves this season have been really really dire, and they only drew one all with them. Well, yeah, exactly. So they do as good as they can be. They do have some struggle breaking teams down, and obviously it's not going to help having uh, Alexander Isak out. You know, re- new record signing, but Callum Wilson's back. Uh, Bruno Guimaraes. The fact that he was a- allowed to go to Newcastle unchallenged by other clubs in the Premier League who were crying out for a midfielder at the time. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And uh, the one player I just want to highlight quickly is uh, Miguel Almiron. Because he's not had the best of times at Newcastle, I wouldn't say. No, and you know, so Jack Grealish compared Riyad. So Man City played Aston Villa, and Riyad Mahrez didn't play very well. And Jack Grealish compared his performance against Villa to Miguel Almiron. Oh, that's the um, disrespect. It is, but since that comparison, Almiron has scored four times as many goals as Jack Grealish in the Premier League. And this season, Almiron has four goals. For Newcastle and Jack Grealish has four goals for Man City since he signed. So that's all you need to say. Just leave that stat there as it is. Just uh oh, sorry, is that is that a knock on the door? Yep, just let that sink in. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jack Grealish just needs to, you know, not shoot his mouth off. Maybe maybe he should uh, do something that is actually worthy of a hundred million pound player before he shoots his mouth off about other players. Just saying, Jack Grealish shouldn't have been bought for more than 50 for the amount of stuff that he's actually been doing for Manchester City. Pretty much. But how much do you think this is down to to Eddie Howe? I know they've given him a long-term contract, but at what point do they say, okay, well, now we've got aspirations beyond... I don't want to say his abilities because, you know... Being the, the manager of Bournemouth in the Premier League, you're never going to have the opportunity to manage in Europe. But let's say they get Europa League football or Conference League football. And he just completely tanks it. Yeah, okay, maybe then. But I'd say for now, he's he deserves all the time in the world because he was doubted by so many and everyone was just like, yeah, he's just a manager to basically, he's a placeholder manager. That's all he is until someone worthy comes along and Newcastle have, you know, solidified their hold in the Premier League top six. Maybe that's when you get the new manager or, and that might happen in a season or two. And I think Eddie Howe's not proven that he's, definitely capable of more than just you know holding over until the right one comes along but yeah i'd argue that you know as you said by the time he 
is actually there and can get the you know the team into the Europa League or the European Conference League at that point it might be time to you know start looking at the alternatives and saying you know maybe we need another player we need to another player we need another manager who has the experience at that level to basically now solidify our hold in that position you know maybe he maybe he uh you know surprises everyone you never know but i'd argue that you know his days are still numbered and you know barring some massive turnaround i think the minute newcastle have european football regularly and you know he's i think i think he'll be given a chance in the europa league or something if they do secure it but i don't think he's going to be there for long yeah, well, he when he when he took over in November uh, last year when Steve Bruce got the sack, uh, who again incidentally just got the sack from West Brom, so it's not oh. not going well for Bruce. Um, he was on a deal until twenty twenty four. Yeah. Um, he signed a, a new, in inverted commas, long term. Don't know what that is, but the last time Newcastle gave a manager a long term contract, it was Alan Pardew. Seven years, wasn't it? Uh, yes, and uh, that went really well. So, <laughs> but look, hey, they're, do- they're look doing at, well, yeah. and they, they play good football. I was about to say, I have a little bit for our slut for stats portion of the episode. And that you is... need to make a jingle for that. Oh, we will 100% slut for stats. Um, they score they're scoring two goals right now this season compared to the 1.16 goals per game they were scoring last season they've got a 38% shot accuracy compared to 33% last season and they're now conceding only one goal per match in comparison to 1.68 goals per match last season well, anyhow's doing the business yeah that's because they've got a decent goalkeeper now in Nick Pope I'm not saying that the likes of Dubravka was was a bad keeper, but Nick Pope's a, a definite upgrade. Yeah, so but it's, yeah. M. Botman, great centre half. Coming from, I mean, it's not surprising coming from the guy whose Premier League fantasy team is named Na 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 Botman. That's fantastic, and I won't hear anything else again. <laughs> I'm sorry, it, the best one in our the best one in our in our league is still Pjanic at the Isco. I'm sorry, no. For two years, <laughs> it wouldn't let me have Klopp Shaggers. And I'm pretty disappointed. But, I, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's under it's under uh, understated how important the likes of Kieran Trippier is, though. Yeah, and you said it last week around as well. Take him to the World Cup instead of Alexander-Arnold if you're worried about set-piece threat. He's also a leader. You know, he, yeah. he went to Atletico Madrid, which is a bit of a shock when he left Spurs. I was about to say, no one had that, you know, on their radar. No one. But, you know, he won the league with them, which is fun. You know, and he played under a different type of manager. I was Who about to say. Let's be honest, as big as Atletico Madrid are, they do grind out results. Oh, yeah, 100%. But that's down to their style of play. And, you know, as I have said previously, the asshole clause that basically you need to have in your contract if you sign for Atletico, you know, I'd argue Kieran Trippier has 
I mean, he must do because he survived that. He he did more than survive at at Atletico, but you know, he did have that. He did have that aspect to his to his style of play. Well, similar to uh, the likes of Lissandro Martinez, he's got the dog in him. Exactly that that yeah. Well, I mean, I still like the asshole clause more than you know having the dog in him. But you know, uh well, let us know on Twitter and on Instagram where Newcastle will finish. Are they going to get European football? Probably. Are they going to get Champions League? We'll just have to wait and see, won't we? But before we move over to the Bundesliga. I did highlight it. I did highlight it a little bit. Just quickly. Because, you know, go and that. I was about to say, I'll let you take over as the major fanboy who does also have a Ronaldo jersey hanging literally right next to him. 2008 Champions League final. You know it. Mr. Penalty in that game. You know. <laughs> but um, 700 club goals for Cristiano Ronaldo is obscene. And it's like, okay, it's not been great this season. Um, no. <laughs> it's not been great. I don't think the style of play suits him. I don't think... I mean, let's be honest, there's there's obviously a lot of mental strain because what happened to him and his family, you don't just get over that. Oh, God, no. But, look, it sounds really stupid because I'm a grown-ass man. But the celebration after he scored, the sort of, like, hands across the chest, smiling with his eyes closed, made me very happy. Um Yes. It's allowed. Just quickly before we move on, we're not going to sit here and this isn't a, a Ronaldo fan cast. Just quickly, if you had to pick one of the 700, have you got any in mind? Because for me, it's it's between two. Oh, I'm sorry. There should be no doubt about that. And it is the overhead kick against Juve. That was one of mine. The other one's the free kick against Portsmouth. Uh, purely, because of, purely because of the celebration where he just sort of turns around and just lets it all out. He, the head goes back, he screams. Yeah. And it's but yeah, the overhead kick against Juventus is I think that one's too sublime. It's sublime. Tier. Well, before we do leave Ronaldo, we're gonna add another little bit of a slut for stats over here at AT Sports. And that is the fact that you know he's scored 700 club goals. Wager a guess of how many club goals the rest of his United team had at the time that he was on the pitch when he scored that. Oh, oh, I think I know this. I think I saw this. Is it 552? Yeah, because I sent you the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, you did. 552, That's but, but. Fucking insane. Okay, but the the one that impresses me more, that Alan Shearer and Wayne Rooney combined have 702 club goals. Ronaldo, Ronaldo alone has 700. Just, just let that sink in, and he'll probably have more by the end of his career than Shearer and Rooney. Bard, he, you know, suffer, suffers from some horrific accident. Well, I mean, the the way this season's going, two more well, goals this season probably is a bit of a far stretch. Wow. But uh, well, you know, uh, Sheriff Tiraspol again on Thursday. Bit of and uh, no, uh, Armani and Nicosia and Sheriff Tiraspol to come. Stat pad games. I was about to say, just have that. And the best one, I think the one that will make you smile most, Sergio Aguero 
Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus, the top three scorers in the history of Manchester City, combined for 671 club goals. Yeah, well, let's be honest, though, and this isn't a slight on Man City. They didn't really start being like, they didn't, you know, Aguero joined in what, 2011? Yeah. So, you know, by then Ronaldo was seasons deep in that. Had like a probably like a 200 goal head start or something. Yeah, but still, Aguero was there long enough. And yeah. we're talking about club. We're talking about club goals. You know, where was Aguero before that? Atletico Madrid. Yeah. So it's not exactly a small club. I mean, I, yeah, I know Atletico. You know, they don't score a lot of goals, so there is that. But yeah, I think we've milked the stats on that one for long enough, and it's time to move over to the Bundesliga. I mean, I said we milked a lot of stats, but I'm going to start off this little Bundesliga uh, segment with another round of slut for stats. And I I apologize for the amount of stats being fired, but, you know, everyone knows we love a stat at AT Sports. So a new stat report has come out that the Bundesliga is the most exciting league in the world if you take a look at the chances created per match. And the Bundesliga sits top with 12.96 chances created per match, would you care to take a guess as to where the Premier League sits in this table? I I don't know, probably third or fourth. Tenth. Oh, God. <laughs> no way. Here's another couple of leagues that sit above the Premier League. The second Bundesliga. <laughs> Stop enjoying it. I love it. This is almost as bad as using expected goals in a in an argument about who um, should have won a football game. You're, I mean, clutch, you're clutching at more straws than a wanking scarecrow. This <laughs> it's not. No, I I know this this whole stat. I mean, this whole stat is. It's de- it's only de- there to the, to piss you off. This is the only reason I'm. Well, I'm it's worked. If if we're being honest, the fact that the Qatar Stars League is fourth in chances created kind of discredits this whole stat route. Oh fuck off! That's like Sunday pub football. I'm not having that. <laughs> I know, I know. But Fucking chances created in the Qatari okay, All Stars League. <laughs> yeah, but here's the here's the funny thing. I bet the stat the chances created. In the Serie A Liga and La Liga, will put a smile on your face. Are they all worse than the than the Premier League? Serie A eleven point seven seven, Liga eleven point five six, and La Liga is the lowest of the top five leagues at ten point nine three chances created per match. On that's because the league is one of the most boring leagues in Europe. There you go. But I, look, I, I okay, fine. That's 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 great. Some Nigel has spent months and years of his life finding that <laughs> useless stat. What makes the Bundesliga exciting is the fact that Borussia Mönchengladbach won't beat Köln five uh, two, and last week lost five one to Werder Bremen. Um, Bayer Leverkusen lost four nil to Bayern last week. Sat their manager, got a new coach, and this week won four nil. 
it's the unpredictability of the league that makes it exciting, not how many chances a player gets in a game. Okay, I have to say, for the fact that I was just trying to push your buttons, you kind of handled that really well because you still managed to say something nice about the Bundesliga. You didn't. I like the league. This is like a. I I sit here every week and watch a league I actively dislike watching. I enjoy the league. Okay, there you go. But you know, it's the same thing as saying, "Oh well, uh, Team A won this game one nil." Oh yeah, but Team B had a point. Uh, 4.5 expected goals. It's like, great, you've got to finish them. You can have 30 chances in a game, but if you've got Marcus Turam up front, you're probably only going to score one of them. Funnily enough, the chief scout at Bayern has been uh, to the Gladbach game, apparently to watch and scout Marcus Turam. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes me want to cry. No, you deserve everything it, you get. Your club deserves actually, everything it yeah. gets if you sign Marcus Thuram. But sh- on the subject of uh, of your great team. Oh, please don't. It's Shall the, we start? No, no. With no. the Classica. Because after 53 minutes, Lewis, Jeez. it was all going so very well. Leon oh, Goretzka with was, a very amazing. nice goal. And uh, Leroy Sane, okay, yeah, it went in. But I blame uh, Gregor Kobel oh. for that one. No, Kobel. No, uh, not not Gregor Kobel. I blame Alex Meyer. Yeah, definitely because he got a full hand to that. He should be making that save. But still, Leroy Sane again. He scored nine goals already this season. Not a bad tally for uh, you know considering what he was doing last season, and you know he's been performing as. I think many people wanted and expected him to perform when he made the move to Bayern. But we're not, you know, gushing over Leroy Sané. We're talking about the fact that Bayern once again managed to piss away a lead and drop points. Because Dortmund didn't score until the 84th minute. And they equalized in the 90th plus 5. And I don't know if you saw the reaction of Oliver Kahn in the stands, but that was literally every Bayern fan. Ever. It's not going well, is it? No, and everyone was like, oh yeah, 4-0, crisis averted. <laughs> no. Yeah, I guess what, arguably one of the worst teams in the league at the time. I was about to say, it's not exactly like they were, you know, Leon Goretzka even said it himself, you know, after the Pearson game, he was like, yeah, we may have just won 4-0 and 5-0 respectively, but we did it against teams who basically let us do what we wanted for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. By the way, Leverkusen, you guys got compared to the Czech second place team of last season. Just let that one sink in. No, no, don't act up just because your club's not very good. The one, <laughs> the one thing this game did do, uh, it both proved me right and wrong in literally 20 minutes. Because uh, I said a couple of weeks ago that Yusufa Makoko should be starting over Anthony Modest. Should And he still should be. Uh, he still should be. Um, he, he scored. But then in the 95th minute, right, 95 minutes, Anthony Mordes scored. And I just want to highlight the uh, uh, the, the role that Nico Schlotterbeck played in that. 
Oh, because it's all good. It's because all not good. only not only did he not give it up, um, he also then stopped, took a second where most players probably would have just shot from the tight angle, straight into the side netting or straight at Manuel Neuer. He puts literally Modest doesn't have to move. Oh, it was a dime. It was a dime, man. And uh, Kingsley Coman getting sent off again. Ugh. It was stupid yellow card, and he can't, you know, he can't get pissed off because he literally grabs the guy not once but twice. He grabs his shirt. You're gonna get booked for that. And if you're already on a yellow, I don't care what the hell the yellow was for. You don't go at a player like that. Getting no, sent off for that. You know, it's the second time he's been sent off in in the last ten games. If you look, you know, across two seasons. Well, on the subject of uh, stupid yellow cards, I know you may have a different view on this, but so Jude Bellingham got booked for a tackle on Jamal Musiala. Uh, it should never have been booked. Wasn't a foul. Uh, he won the ball. Opinions, thoughts, musings. Okay, I'm sorry, but the way he go the way he goes into into Muziala, he goes with his foot out, studs are up. He gets whether he gets ball or not, that's dangerous play. I'm sorry. The, the whether he gets ball or not, that's dangerous play. He cannot be pissed off about that yellow. He cannot. And the fact that he doesn't get booked for the fact that he kicks Davies in the face so hard. That Davies went to the hospital for a concussion is beyond me. He should have been sent off. Two yellows. I'm not saying it should have been a straight red in that sense, but it should have been the second yellow. His foot was high. He hits Davies in the face. He not he he gave Davies a concussion and he doesn't get booked for that. I'm sorry, but that should have been a clear sending off. And the reasoning for the referee from the referee was the fact that he was like, yeah. I can see, like, there definitely are arguments for the fact that it also could have been that it should have been a yellow, and I understand those arguments, but I didn't want to influence the um, the the match that early in the match. I'm sorry, it's not the referee's job to dictate if both teams have fair chances. The players do that themselves. If the player has to kick someone else in the face and is already on a yellow, tough shit. Then the match is then just, you know, decided and whatnot. I don't care. But you can't just be like, oh, you know, I want to give both teams the chance to um, have a fair fight all 90 minutes, even though one of them has a bookable offense that should have gotten him sent off. Simple as. Are you, are you good? Yeah, I've, I've said my piece, but... No, I that, get what you mean because doesn't doesn't Alfonso Davies apparently have like you know a bruised skull? Yeah, and a concussion. I'm sorry if if he's cut if he went he got carted off to the hospital after that. That's not a yellow. Stupid. Apparently not. We have had this issue in the Classica before though, where the refereeing has been shocking, and last time Jude Bellingham yeah. called it out. Yeah, okay, well, now he's been keeping his mouth pretty damn shut, sealed tight. I'm sorry. Wow. Imagine my shock. Imagine a double standard. Uh, you leave him alone. 
he's gonna he's him, he's yeah. gonna captain England to the World Cup in a couple of years time. Anyway, let's move on from this because I can see you getting redder and redder and redder. I'm sorry, um, no, but like I'm sorry, Jude, Jude Bellingham for like for the fact that he's a brilliant footballer, he should have been sent off in that in that instance. There are no, there should be. Yeah, the fact that the referee is trying to hide behind the fact that he doesn't want to influence play that much is like, I'm sorry, but sometimes players leave you no choice. End of story. Anyways. Um, so it, it might not be going that great for Bayern, uh, but it's really not going very well uh, for Stuttgart. So let's leave um, the top half of the table and let's head right down to 17th. 17th. Jinx. Um, you can and uh, so they've just sacked Pellegrino Matarazzo. And uh, I just want to give you a, a couple of stats. So, um, slot for stats incoming t shirts, mugs, a jingle. Stats. It's all being made. <laughs> Don't you worry, guys. Coming this Christmas. I really hope someone listening really doesn't like the word slut <laughs> because they've heard it a lot today. Um, <laughs> So let's just so he's won across two full seasons and nine games. Uh he's won nineteen. He's drawn twenty-six and he's lost thirty-two. I, bearing in mind they only just avoided relegation last year. I was about to say if you look at what they achieved in the last couple of seasons, that record is not all that surprising you know his first season with them in the in the bundesliga after he got them promoted from uh bundesliga two they finished ninth which was insane fantastic and then last year almost the the, yeah last year almost the wheels fell off which is insane because they had someone like zesha kalajic up top you know they they lost him probably didn't replace him as well as they should have done they should just not i mean argue obviously there's there's more to it than that but you know letting him go for that amount of money is just oh, it was a paltry sum yeah it was ridiculous when you look at the amounts of money being thrown around when he was linked to the likes of Bayern and united it was almost triple the amount that he went to wolves for um and and obviously that the first nine games of this season the wheels have just deserted the bus they've completely come off uh, the steering wheels out of his hand. Save for that Bayern match where they managed to grind out another 2-2. Yeah, but again, that was more of a case of Bayern being terrible. Yeah. Not being really good. So I, it's difficult because who do you get in? And I said it to you yesterday when he was sacked. He'll be back. You've just got to wait for someone, probably glad back, to sack Daniel Farker. Nah, Schalke. Well, there we go. Schalke, because, it, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think Kama's the right guy, but more on that in the coming weeks. But, yeah, I think you're you're completely right. If The the odds that we're going to see Matarazzo on a Bundesliga bench this season again, I wouldn't say are too slim. No, he's 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 a good manager. Uh well, he's an okay manager. He's not, you know, he's not fantastic. But you know, he worked alongside Nagelsmann. And he's 
Ivy League educated. So he's, you know, he's an intelligent man. I know that doesn't really yeah. do much in football. You know, being able to say, "Oh yeah, well, I've got a degree from Columbia." It, it's going to help, but obviously, the players probably again. Every time that a manager gets sacked, it's it's my go-to line. But the players are never going to get the sack. No. The manager at the end of the day is the one that is replaceable. Yeah, but that is just the way football is. I know it is. I know it is. But so let's just have a quick look. Uh, who's been linked with the job? Because I'd, I'd wager, had they sacked him a week before, and a man we're going to talk about in a moment probably would have been in the top five. Yeah. Easily. Especially with the fact that, you know, there's less, arguably less pressure at the Stuttgart job than um, Leverkusen. Exactly. I'm not seeing anyone linked at the moment. But give it a couple of days and all the usual suspects will probably crawl out of the woodwork. I wouldn't be surprised if Felix Magat got an interview at one point. Oh, here, even better, Sam Allardyce. Oh, bring him over. <laughs> my two worlds collide. But there So there we go. I, that's, there's a reason they were one of my picks to go down. Yeah, and you know you have to. They may have only, in quotes, conceded fourteen, but you know you only score nine. Obviously, Zasha Kalajic is missing, but it's just the fact that they haven't been getting results against teams that arguably, if you've got aspirations to, you know, at least gain the midfield of the table, you should probably be getting results against these teams. Oh, here we go. Uh, so uh, Zolst Love, who is Thomas Tuchel's assistant at Chelsea, is uh, in line to become Stuttgart's manager, and that's according to um, your friend of mine, uh, Platy Goal from Sky Germany. Oh, I've got another uh, uh, another very interesting candidate, and because he is from the area, and that's Joachim Löw. Oh, yeah, but. After being that at uh, that higher level for so long, you're going to drop down to a relegation candidate side. Yeah, but you know you have to think about the fact. Might be might be something to think about because if you you know we were just struggling to find anyone who's linked with the with the club because there just aren't that many options for them. But you know you you take a look. Stuttgart didn't. They didn't start the season that badly, you know. One all draw with Leipzig, arguably very good. Drawing against Werder Bremen, yeah, maybe you want to get three points in that match because they're the newly promoted team. Freiburg this season, you can lose against Kern. They drew against, so that's also not bad. They should be beating Schalke. They got a point off of Bayern, not bad. You can lose to Frankfurt, losing to Wolfsburg, eh. Maybe should be doing better, and then you lose seven. You're Berlin. It's not like they have had the worst possible um, results, but the fact is that they just drawn one too many. Because if you think, if you take a look at it, you know, even if you were to draw every single match you play in a season, you get thirty four points. And mathematically speaking, thirty four points usually does not manage to get you. 
or it doesn't manage to save you necessarily from relegation. No, it doesn't. But even last... and they, but you'd still be unbeaten in that sense. Yeah, you would. And so look, it's, a, it's like a smokescreen almost. Yeah, it doesn't give a, a proper indication of what's really going on. But last thing we'll say on this before we move on to Bayer Leverkusen. Look, he did insanely good work at Stuttgart with what essentially was a squad full of afterthoughts and cast-offs from other teams. Exactly. It's not his fault. No. In 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 the whole sense. You know, the, the biggest problem at Stuttgart is the recruitment policy which lands at the feet of the board. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, they have Sven Mislintat, who's who was at a time at Dortmund doing unbelievably work with recruiting, you know, Aubameyang uh, being one of the names, or one of the many names. That but same again, guy there's, is there's, at Stuttgart, but yeah. You know, there's a difference of, just, of funds available, though, so he can't do the same exactly. work. Exactly. Look, before we move on, Matarazzi, he's going to land on his feet. He's popular in the in Germany. He's he's a good manager. I think Schalke would probably just be a death sentence at this point. I'd avoid that like the plague. And probably hold out because I, I refuse to believe Daniel Farker lasts a whole season. Oh, I'm saving that. Saving that. Save it. Because if he does last the whole season, I will be playing that for you week in, week out. If he lasts a whole season, I'll get a Gladbach shirt. It's like I, you heard it here first. It's it's been said now. I'm not going to say something stupid. I could get Daniel Farker's face tattooed on one of my ass cheeks, but <laughs> oh. um, but let's leave Stuttgart and their managerless side, and uh, let's talk about a man, former Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Real Sociedad player, Xabi Alonso, the Don. The one who always comes dressed to the nines. And he's had an immediate effect, so to speak. Well, I mean, so to speak. 4-0 win right off the bat. My one deal with this, though, is that it was against Schalke. If you're Leverkusen, you should be beating Schalke 4-0. You know, ahead of this season, everyone would have said that is probably a good result to be getting against a team like that. If you don't, something's wrong. So, yeah, it's a good result, but I think we're going to have to wait and see the next couple of weeks to see how much Xavi Alonso really can do. Because, you know, we've, we took a look at as well, you know, his managerial history. And save for having managed Real Madrid under 14s and Real Sociedad beat, there is no managerial experience. And it's not like he went and got Real Sociedad B promoted two years in a row. He got he got them promoted into the Segunda B, but they got relegated straight afterwards, and then he left the club at the end of the 21-22 season. So it's not like Xabi Alonso is coming with this brilliant record managerial-wise. And I think we're going, this is his first real test. So this will be an ex a very interesting appointment and to see if someone like Xabi Alonso is ready to manage. But I mean, you know, I think he's there to prove everyone wrong because look at what uh, Xavi has done to 
Barcelona after having managed arguably only in the Qatari league. So you never know. And I'd wager the uh, Secunda B division is uh, probably the same standard as the Qatari first division. Anyway, probably <laughs> they, they they did their coaching badges together, Xavi and Xabi Alonso. And they, were with... both, they were both unreal midfielders in their day. But I mean, we know that that's not necessarily a precursor for being a good manager. If anything, I was going to say, Jose, a... Jose Mourinho was the translator. Yeah. There you go. Also, you take a look at uh, Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Joachim yeah, Löw won the World Cup as a manager, never made it very high as a player. But yeah, you have play- players like Pep Guardiola who worked wonders in his career and uh, as a manager as well. I mean, the list goes on. But yeah. Like, Leverkusen are a weird one because, I mean, look, they beat Atletico Madrid 2-0. Which no one had them pegged to do. You know, Atletico Madrid don't score many goals, let alone two goals and not, you know, in one game. But, you know, the loss to Porto was just disappointing. I, th- I think he was teetering on the, on the edge, I think. You mean uh, Leverkusen don't score very many goals, says Atletico. Sorry, yes. Leverkusen don't score many Oh, not this season, haven't scored many goals. So the fact yeah. that yeah. Moussa Diaby got his first league goal of the season in October, given how good he was last season. Yeah. You know, that's like not that. helped. You know, Patrick Schick's not been scoring. And obviously, you're losing the likes of Florian Verts is going to suck. I was about to say, he's still going to be, he, he won't be a factor probably until the second half of the season, come yeah. January, February. But again, you get a new manager bounce. But they've got Frankfurt next week or this weekend coming. It's going to be a re- the actual test. And yeah, the, the actual litmus test, the actual. How good is he as a manager? Can he set up a team properly? Because Frankfurt aren't great. They're a bit hit and miss, but they can quite comfortably turn Leverkusen over if they're not well-drilled and well-prepared. Oh, I was about to say, take a look at what happened to Leipzig a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. Well, I think before we end, I would just like to get your reaction to a Luta Matthäus quote. And this is about the uh, Bayern situation. Maybe a few players aren't willing to give everything this season in the league because they've won the league too many times. Doing the dirty work when needed to get the result, like against Augsburg, or going the extra mile to put Dortmund away for good and not allowing them to come back, this quality just isn't there and is missing at Bayern at the moment. This can change, but players will have to start reaching their full potential each week again. Do you think it is actually a, actually just a question of the fact that Bayern don't want or haven't got that much riding on the league anymore? And they've said, you know, we've won the league now 10 years in a row. It's time to focus on the Champions League. Because he goes on to say, you know, yeah, look at what happens in the Champions League. They've got nine to zero goal difference and nine points out of three matches. It's not like the Champions League isn't working out for them. Um, I don't think that is wholly the case because if that is the situation, then you shouldn't be playing for Bayern Munich. 
like, let's let's be perfectly honest. If you're there going, yeah, well, I'm not really fussed about the league anymore, then you shouldn't be playing for them. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Even though some fans, I think, would rather, and me included, would hundred percent sign a contract saying, uh, "You won't win the league this year, but your team will win the Champions League." Yeah, obviously, it's different for fans because it's not. But come on, it's your livelihood. Surely you want to be the best, and you don't want to. Well, yeah, like, you don't want to look like a a bang average scrub of a player more times in a season than than not. Because let's be honest, the Champions League, you don't play that many Champions League games this season. No, and you know, I'd say in any competition, the league is the hardest thing to win because you have to week in, week out produce. It's not not like in the Champions League where you know you might have a little element of that in the group stages, but come the knockout stages, it's literally two legs do or die that's all you have to give in that in that instance to progress and a league you can you know you have to be on it 100 percent week in week out to win that title so it is still the hardest competition to win yeah exactly i think if there is any truth to that uh then those players should probably be moved on I yeah. don't think it is the case. I think it's just a man who, again, is used to winning and buying, winning everything. You know, things change. Times, you know, what well, dominance comes to an end. It was that never, yeah. it was never going to go on for longer than I think it has done. You might not win it a couple times, but then they'll be back. Exactly. And I, I mean, I don't know. I think we, we've we gone in depth into, you know, what the problem is at Bayern and, you know, trying to find their new playing style without, you know, the classic number nine on top and whatnot. So I think there are enough reasons to know why it's not fully clicking yet. But the fact that it's the mentality that they don't want to win the league, I also find you'd be hard pressed to to actually find that to be the case. But I think that's all we have time for this week. And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the most recent updates on everything Premier League and Bundesliga, the latest managerial changes and whatnot. And also make sure to check out the AT Sports News feed for the 50 Plus One Football Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure to check out our previous episodes for all the inside jokes and a few laughs. But as always, thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.